the story behind the story in faith, culture, news, and entertainment. This is this is Billy Hallowell. So I'm here today with Kathy Lee Gifford. How you doing? I couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. I'm with you, Billy. <laughs> well, I love it. I appreciate you saying that. Well, listen, I for a long time now I've wanted to talk with you. I have really enjoyed watching throughout your career how you talk about faith, specifically the last couple of years. I think there have been a lot of tough moments, you know, for the country within the media industry and Hollywood. And the way that you've approached those tough moments in reflecting back on your faith has been really moving. And I saw, I think earlier this year, you had done an interview with Dr. Oz and you talked about the importance of faith being present in every moment of your life. And so I wanted to ask you what that yes. looks like for you. Uh, just what it talks about in the book of Acts when it says, in him we live and move and have our being. Well, that's pretty all-encompassing, I would say. The Bible says to pray unceasingly. How do we do that? You make your life a prayer. That's how. Mm. And with every breath you breathe, inhale, out, exhale. It's constant awareness of him. And it, it's something that grows as you grow in your faith, your awareness of just how present God is at every moment. Uh, whether you're doing a menial task or you're moving a mountain or you're you're on your knees before God praying for, before you get chemotherapy or whatever it is, our relationship with the living God is supposed to be there to permeate every aspect of our life, every relationship of our life, um, every um, every single moment. I and I believe that from the moment we're conceived until the moment we go on to the next life, that's what we're supposed to be, a living prayer to, to, my, to the, the God of my life, the Bible talks about. It's easy. He's with me by night, a prayer to the God of my life. I love that. It's You're such a breath of fresh air because I think, you know, working in media and just being around people and being in New York, you know, it's it's so nice to to hear somebody like you who has been in the industry as long as you have you know, speaking out in the way you are about faith and a relationship with God. And one of the things about your story that I've always really enjoyed was hearing about how I think you, when you were 12 years old, you saw The Restless Ones, the Billy Graham film. Yes. And yes. I was recently at the Bible Museum before they opened the exhibit on Billy Graham, and it struck me right. It struck me how he was one of the first people to use film, right? We talk about faith movies yes. now. And so how did that movie yes. impact you back back then? Well, I mean, I changed my life, and I and got thank God for Billy, who became one of my dearest friends. I'm just I can't even believe that that is true, because you think why in the world would he? But he did. He became one of my dearest dearest friends, and um, I adored being with him and knowing him and his wife and now Franklin and and Anne. I was just you know praying for Anne every day because she just had had uh, breast surgery, you know, for for cancer, and you know I mean we I've since I was 12 years old, they have been a huge part of my life, the whole Graham family. So anyway, um, yeah, if, if Billy hadn't had the courage, because he was knocked badly by the, by the, 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 the church, and I say the church in quotes, religious people mm -hmm. for even going into movie theaters, because that's where the devil lived. He goes, well, why did we give it over to the devil? You know, that was Billy. Why give it to him? Let's use it. Let's bring people to Jesus that way. And there was a 12-year-old little girl sitting in the middle of the, that movie theater in Annapolis, Maryland, went forward and asked Jesus into my heart. That movie was called The Restless Ones. I was 12 years old, and I knew I wanted to be an actress. I've known that my entire life. So, so, so sweet of the Lord to meet me 
in a movie theater where my desires and my dreams already already were. God knew that. He I, he wasn't going to find me in a church. I'm not a huge fan of church. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. It gets it's too it's too much of bureaucracy for me. It's too much cookie cuttered for me. And I, my church is when I go to Israel and I get to study the rabbinical way and go where it all happened and walk in Jesus's footsteps and study the word in its original form of Greek and Hebrew. And um, I'm not saying we shouldn't meet with believers. We should. That's what church is. It isn't a building. It's not a building. Uh And look how God brought your story full circle, having that friendship. It's just amazing when you get a chance to look back at things, you know, at 12 years old. Yes. Right. It's it's incredible. Yes. Yeah, the other day it my, is incredible. My wife is a is a fan of you know uh, Bravo Radio, so she's listening in the car. And it's one of her like guilty pleasures. And you were on. It's funny because I always I'm like turn it off, you know, whenever it comes on. And I heard your voice, and I said, "Oh my gosh, you know, it must have been two weeks ago." Let Let's listen to this. And it was amazing to me hearing you in all these different venues just so openly talk about your faith more than probably almost anybody else in the industry that you're in. What is it? And I don't want to beat this with the dead. What heart. was I, just, I saying on Bravo? I have no idea. You were, you were <laughs> preaching no that. Well, our, Andy Cohen asked you, you know, are you are you Jewish? And you were like, no. And you went into all the things about relationship that you just talked about. You were basically preaching the gospel on Bravo, you know, Sirius XM radio. And like, oh, what? with Andy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Andy. He's yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's, he's a bad little boy. He's a naughty boy, but I love him. <laughs> what, what is it that motivates that in you? Because it's just so natural for you talking about it yeah somebody asked me how could you be so how are you so bold and I said I think it was Megan Kelly when when Billy had passed mm-hmm. and I was just I knew I had a tremendous opportunity at that moment to share the gospel that's what Billy would have wanted me to do he would not wanted me to to, to just talk about everything Billy's Graham achieved he could have cared less about any of that he all he cared about was sharing the gospel of, of mm-hmm. hope uh, the good news that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life and and you don't have to clean up your act just as you are. You come to him and he'll he'll do the cleaning up part. You just you just come and believe and and receive. And I just his message never changed all the years, all the years. And I just so respected him and still will for the rest of my life. But um, I remember she said, what makes you so bold? And I said, if I had the um, let me get this exactly right. If I had the cure for cancer. I knew what it was. Would I ever withhold it from anybody, much less a per- somebody who's suffering from cancer? Never. The last thing in the world any decent person would do is withhold help and solace and balm for somebody and healing for somebody if they needed it. I said, well, I feel like I have the cure for the malignancy of the soul. Mm. And he has a name, and it's Jesus. And I have to share when I'm given a chance. Because I don't want people to, uh, to to not know the freedom they can have in him, to not know the healing they, uh, for their body, soul, and, and minds that they can receive from him. I, the hope that they can receive from a life that is transformed by faith in him. I just, I couldn't live with myself, Billy. I just couldn't. And yeah. so, I mean, I'll take the... I'll take the, the criticism from people rather than take the, the knowledge that I might have kept somebody from knowing the glorious truth of Jesus Christ. I can't do that. Well, and it's it's incredible. It. It's incredible because <clears throat> and this shows you that I do know your past interviews. I told you about Andy, and I also saw the Megan one. And you had said in that interview, we don't need more religion. We need more Jesus. And I remember that going pretty yeah. viral because people— 
it yes. resonates. And what you just said is so true about really reaching people with truth, the malignancy of the soul, which is just an incredible way of wording that. Which we all have. We all have malignancies of our soul. We're not on chemotherapy, maybe, but we're, we're, we're you know, looking for love in all the wrong places, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, instead absolutely. of the, the very source of love himself, the one who died so we could know love, true love, not you know, not the Real Housewives of, uh, sorry, Andy, <laughs> of, you know, the Old Testament love. <laughs> well, you know, what have you faced, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but you know, what are the times maybe you face doubt in your walk? Because I think that's something that people struggle with, and they're almost ashamed to talk about moments of doubt or struggles in their faith. Oh, I have had numerous times in my life, never when I do- stopped believing in God, ever. Ever. I never doubted the presence and the reality of God, ever. What I did doubt for, for brief seasons and sometimes long ones was that he, that he loved me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's as close to hell as I've been in my life. Feeling like God had taken, it just didn't love me anymore. Didn't see me. You know how he saw Hagar, remember, when she was banished from Abraham's tent. And I love, so much love the scripture that talks about in Genesis, how she named that, you know, that area, the, 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 the well, but for the God who sees me. She was in the utmost of despair. And that's what Jesus did, especially with women. Jesus was the greatest feminist that ever lived. He saw women when women were worth less than a camel. And they still are in many parts of the world today. They're just, they're just um, cheap cheap pieces of merchandise still all around the world. Jesus saw them as equal to men. Jesus saw them as precious to God. Jesus saw them as daughters of Abraham. Nobody talked that way. Mm -hmm. Jesus did. That's so true. And he healed them and he saw into their souls. And they were the ones, there was only one man at the cross. The Bible talks about John, his, his disciple, John, but there were tons of women and the women were there at the, at the, at the, um, at the, at the uh, tomb. Why? Because they had been loved the most, because they know no love in that world, no world. They were never valued. Jesus comes along and sees them, calls them by name. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Mary Magdalene does not recognize Jesus when he's been raised and uh, resurrected until he says her name. Mm. And she's so moved by the tenderness of the way he said, Mary, I can just, ah. That kills me every time. And it's incredible. Because People... I know he says my name that way. He says your name that way, Billy. He's a personal God. He's not this entity up there throwing thunderbolts at us. He wants to be invited into our lives. He wants to be welcomed into our hearts. He will transform us and love us beyond our wildest dreams. You're on fire, and it's so incredible just hearing you talk because I could listen to you. And I want to have you back again because before we before we go, I want to make sure we talk about this incredible book that you have out it's a children's book i've already read it to my kids and my six-year-old absolutely loves it it's called the gift that i can give i'm so glad it comes out next month kids want to help it does it comes out in october i think it's the 23rd or something like that but kids want to help they want to have lemonade stands you know they want to they want to give uh some change to the person who's homeless look at most children want to make a difference up it upsets them that the world is not balanced. It upsets their code of what they know is justice, what they innately know is right, because they just came from heaven. 
We're the ones that have been here a long time, and we've forgotten what heaven's like. They've just been there. The younger they are, they just came from there. And when they see that sort of thing, it bothers them. They want justice. They want a loving God to make things better. So when we can teach our children how they can partner with God, with the gifts that God's given them in the womb that they already have, not a, it's not a gift they got to go out and find. They already have it. God created them with a, with a unique purpose, uh, just the way he created their DNA uniquely. I think that's the way that we, we build our children's self-esteem, not asking them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just ask them, what are you already that God is going to use in this world to help bring his, his shalom to the, to, the, to the chaos of the world? Most kids are happy to partner with God in something like that. Yeah, and it was you know, even, they love that. Even talking to Ava, my oldest, about this and saying, you know, you're going, we're going to figure out what your gift is. You know, think about that. It was such a great opportunity, your book, to sit down and say, God gives all of us gifts, and we can, we need to use them for His glory. But they will guide us through our lives. And, and discovering that, it was, yes. it's such a great. And I, I have to encourage everybody. Oh. It's the gift that I can give. Go out and get this book because it just—it's a great conversation starter. And she really got it. And she asked me what my gifts were, and I said, "Well, that's a good question." Uh, um, <laughs> I was like, you know, "Yeah, I, I'm we a have writer, to keep asking you know? ourselves." Yeah, yeah. And I said, right. "I don't know. Maybe God has other things in store that I don't know, but I have to keep seeking Him to to find out what that is." And you know, so we've really been talking a lot about that with her, and this book really helped with that. What is your What is your big hope for the impact of the book on parents and? and kids you just described it perfectly that children will have a dialogue with their parents about wow really mommy i really already have it really daddy it's in me already usually it's what they already love to do i came out of the womb with a pratfall and a rim shot putting on shows you know <laughs> telling jokes entertaining that's all i've done my entire life it's all i ever wanted to do and I've been, my daddy said, honey, find something you love to do and figure out a way to get paid for it. <laughs> and I've been able to do that. He also told me, I love you too much to deny you the privilege of making mistakes. Half of finding out what you are and what you want to do in life is finding out what you're not and what you don't want to do. And it's okay. The process is important. It really is. If it leads you to an understanding of why you're here and God's purpose for your life, I mean, that's, we're not here for ourselves. That I do know. We're not here for us. And God everything changes when you us. realize that. Everything changes when you realize that. And I have to be honest, I haven't exactly. realized that in my own life. I'm going to be 35, and I just probably in the last three years have really started living that out. And I'm still trying. You know, it's, it's a challenge. Of course. But. And we'll spend the rest of our lives doing it as well. It's always a challenge because we are, by nature, selfish. Absolutely. It's, we live in a, and especially in our world today, which is a me, me, me entitled generation. Wow. I've never seen anything like what I'm seeing in our world today. It's troubling. You know, where it's people troubling. just feel entitled to everything and they don't have to work for it. And it's, I'm, it's my right. And I go, really? I don't know what constitution you're reading <laughs> or what Bible you're reading. Exactly. But I don't know where it's, no, it's, it's not in my vernacular. Uh, uh, God's love is free. And that's about it. Well, listen, I, <laughs> you know, it's, I've got to ask you, and you may have already said this because you, you sort of were covering where I was going to go. The last question I had for you, and it's sort of a loaded question, but I ask everybody this, because, especially people who have been in the industry for a long time. What is the biggest lesson you've learned in your life and career that you would say stands out to you the most? The biggest lesson I have learned, besides being kind, which I was taught, so I didn't have to learn that. I, I, I knew that before I realized I had learned it. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You, yeah. If you teach your children kindness and manners before they're before they can talk, teach them to say P for please and for thank you. But before they know it, they're saying please and thank you, and it's innate in them. It's 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 their DNA. Then, um, yeah. Besides the obvious, I think the thing that I have learned the most is to trust. Um, my individuality and not conform to the world. We are not meant to fit in. We are meant to stand out. Mm. And especially as believers, we are not to put a light over our, I mean, a bushel or a, a basket over our light. We're supposed to be set our light high on a hill for the whole world to see it. That doesn't be, that doesn't mean to be, you know, obnoxiously. It's all me, me, me. It means, you know, shout it from the rooftops kind of a life. That's the kind of life we're supposed to live. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. He says it right after, and Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I come that you might have life and life abundantly. And the word in the Greek for that kind of life is zoe. And a lot of little girls are named Zoe these days. It means name. so abundant, so uncontrollably fabulous. It cannot be controlled. It cannot be contained. That's the kind of joy God has for for those who love him because that he's Abba Father. You know, too many people see God as a as a remote sort of dis, dismembered entity out there in the ethos who doesn't know our name, who doesn't call us by name, who doesn't sit with us when we're crying, who doesn't cradle us when we're broken, who doesn't laugh with us when something's funny. You know, when we used to when we used to my kids would toot because they were not allowed to use the F word. Um, we'd laugh and say, God's laughing too. He made us that way. You know, God that. laughs with us. He's a personal God. And and um, so I don't know if that's the, the answer anybody is that looking was. for, no, but it's, it's incredible. It's, it, I love it. I, I think all of this has been so good. You have to come back on my podcast again because there's so much more to talk about. Kathy Lee, thank you so much for I'd coming love on today. I'd love to, especially when my book comes uh, – my um, new movie comes out Billy because it's it's the first time I've really done a major major um uh project with that with that is not faith-based it's about two people who don't share my faith and it has transformed me oh wow it when has is, when really is that transformed out? me when is that coming? Uh, it's either going to be at the end of the year or at the very beginning of the year it's we're in we're in uh post we're in editing now and, and music production of it now I, I I wrote it for my friend uh Craig Ferguson uh, who is, an, you know, I just adore him. He hosted with me the Today Show uh, for a week when um, Hoda was out having her baby and um, or at home with her baby. And um, and he was he's, he's just so much fun. We had to have a 15-second delay on the Today Show. And it, it wasn't your grandma's, <laughs> you know, Today Show. And I and he said to me something so interesting at one point. He says, Kathy, why do you end with this wonderful you know, Scottish brogue? He says, Kathy, why do you love me? Why do you love Ricky? Meaning Ricky Gervais. He says, I'm an agnostic. Jimmy, uh, Ricky's an atheist. Why do you love us? We're not good guys. (laughs) And I went, well, first of all, I love you because you're unbelievably lovable. Second of all, I love you because Jesus loves you. And and that's that's enough for me. And he said, said, I've never been loved by a religious person. Then I taught him what the difference was. That's what that's shocking, was. though, right? I mean, well, obviously yeah. the difference between yeah, religious means, and faithful, but yeah, that that is shocking. Yeah, we're that's what we're here for, people. Exactly, to love people. 
and what a great example what a great example in a divided era that you were able to do that right we that's what we need to be doing as christians we need to be out there befriending people and that's what new york has done for me to be honest because my worldview is very different and so i have been able to befriend so many people who we just don't see the world the same way but i can love them and show them that and we've got to be doing that no matter where we are well who was it was it saint augustine i'm not sure the one who said preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where actions Just speak louder. Just flat out right? love people and they will come. Build it and they will come. It's because well, they will build a life of integrity and faith and love and joy and the world will be drawn to you. It will, it will repel some. Yes. If you should expect that. Look what they did to Jesus. But look how many he brought mm-hmm. to a, an understanding of of, of the love of the Father for them. Look what he bridged so they could know that kind of love and that kind of life. The, I, Christian means little Christ. That's what we're supposed to be. Little Christ, little, uh, um, you know, examples of him. You are so earth. good. Too you often, are so good. <laughs> you just have a way with Well, with I, words, I study. You know? I study. I steal from everybody. That's what I do. <laughs> you, you have to. You have to. That's what we're all we, we share. It's sharing. It's not really stealing, right? <laughs> well, I try to give. I I get credit if I remember who the heck I was. I don't remember anything anymore. <laughs> it's very convenient. Oh, I I so appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Billy. God bless you, and give my love to your sweet family. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hallowell Podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hallowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.